Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Pittsburgh Steelers enter the 2022 offseason, set up to experience the most turno- the most important turnover on their roster that they've seen in quite a while. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Obviously, the turnover I am speaking of is the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2004. 2004 was the last season the Pittsburgh Steelers entered an offseason. Preparation for a season where they did not know who their starting quarterback was. That was the last time, 2004, when they were debating whether to start Ben Roethlisberger as a rookie He didn't start, but he did take over. And from that season on, the Steelers have known who their starting quarterback was supposed to be. That is changing this year. Along with that, it's going to come some more change. The Steelers have money for free agency. They have a lot of players themselves that are free agents. They're looking to change the offensive style. There's looking to be a lot of change. Keith Butler's gone on defense. Before we dive into evaluating players, evaluating, you know, a bunch of different things, I wanted to start this offseason looking at the coaches. So this week on the cutting room floor, we're going to start talking about the offensive coaches. I'm going to talk about the position coaches here, and we will get into the offensive coordinator in the second part of the episode. We'll start with the quarterback's coach, Mike Sullivan. It's hard to know where the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator start and end their balance, especially when you have a veteran quarterback. One of the interesting notes was with uh, Matt Canada coaching from the booth, from the press box. The only way Ben Roethlisberger could talk to Matt Canada was through his coach. Mike Sullivan, his quarterback's coach. Mike Sullivan had the earpiece. He had the microphone. The quarterback does not have a microphone in his helmet. That's not allowed. He had to come over to Mike Sullivan and use his microphone to communicate with the offensive coordinator. 
So that's an interesting note. The role Mike Sullivan played on the sideline was more than just, you know, directly coaching Ben Roethlisberger. He was an important part of the information highway that needs to exist between a quarterback and an offensive coordinator. And we will we will get a little more into that in the second half when I talk about Matt Canada's side of that. With, with that difficulty, though, I, I want to note a few things. Number one is that Ben Roethlisberger did a fantastic job learning and expanding his game in the past offseason, the 2021 offseason. He got much better at running RPOs. He got much better at running play action. He basically learned to run an offense that's very different than anything he's run before, and he did it at 39 years old at the tail end of his career, and he did a good job. That reflects especially well on Ben Roethlisberger, but it also does reflect well on his coaches because quarterbacks don't do that. When Peyton Manning left Indianapolis and went to Denver, he brought his offense with him. When Tom Brady left New England and went to Tampa Bay, they started implementing more and more of Tom Brady's offense and and language and everything because when he was trying to run Bruce Arians' offense, he would slip into his patterns. And he'd throw a route combination where, you know, if if you're running this route, if the receiver's running this route in in the Patriots' offense and he sees off coverage, he's going to, you know, head on an out route. Well, in Bruce Arians, maybe it's a hook. And so the wide receivers learn to run a hook Tom Brady has to throw it before the receiver runs the hook. You're you're anticipating the hook and you're throwing it to him. But instead, he was looking at an out route and threw that because that's just what he's done for most of his career. Quarterbacks don't do that easily. And Ben Roethlisberger, that's, and also that's just language in a few things. Ben Roethlisberger learned to do things that he just hadn't done. Uh, so that reflects well on Mike Sullivan, although we can't honestly say how much of that was him. Mike Sullivan's real grade and his challenge for the upcoming season. I believe they'll keep him. Uh, I, I don't think his position is one that's that's up for anything, and I doubt he gets promoted away from Pittsburgh and signed away. But his real grading and his challenge is in preparing Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins to compete for the starting quarterback job. That's his job. That was his main job this past season. We haven't seen the fruits of that labor yet, but we will. His job is to get this quarterback competition to be as good of a quarterback competition and get these guys as good as they can be heading into the 2022 season. That's a pretty significant challenge, and and I think Mike Sullivan is one of the key position coaches for this offseason. Next up, we'll look at running back coach Eddie Faulkner. I believe this was his second season with the uh, with the Steelers, second or third. He coached uh, he coached James Conner, and then he coached rookie Najee Harris this season. Najee Harris had a great rookie season. And while obviously, again, in all of these situations, when a player has a great season, it's it's mostly because of the player, right? It's, it's not like, you know, this coach is turning Benny Snell into, into uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Henry. <laughs> I just lost his name. Uh, the running back from the Titans, King Henry. 
Wow. Cannot think of his name right now. Anyways, that no coach is going to do that. They have to have talent and they have to put in the work. But when you look at Harris's rookie season and you compare it to like, say, Le'Veon Bell's rookie season where he wasn't the best and they went out and got a different coach for him with, with James Saxon coming in, uh, you know, coach more that patient run style fit Le'Veon Bell really well. When Bell left, they got rid of James Saxon because they needed a different coach for James Conner. Najee Harris seemed to fit well with Eddie Faulkner's coaching because Najee Harris had a fantastic season. The challenge this offseason for Eddie Faulkner, because I believe, again, he'll be kept He'll be kept because of the season Najee Harris had. I, I don't think you can say he didn't do his job very well. His big job, from the running back's coach perspective, is to teach Najee Harris to pick up blitzes and protect the quarterback better. That's something Harris struggled with all season. He'd occasionally have a really good, he'd have a better game, and then right back the next game, he's missing key reads. Lots of problems uh, with his ability to pick up the blitz, and even when he did make the right read and he went to block, it wasn't very good. That is work that needs to be done with Najee Harris. That's Eddie Faulkner's big task this season coming up. Moving on, tight end coach Alfredo Roberts. He joined the Steelers exactly one year ago today. It's the, the day this, this podcast is going to be released on January 25th. His first year involved coaching Pat Fryermuth to a fantastic rookie season. But more than that, the growth we saw from Zach Gentry, someone a lot of people expected to be cut, not even make it to, to his second season, and, and yet... There he was, a guy who you know took higher snap counts as the year went on, proved himself to be a very good asset, a guy that the Steelers wanted on the field. His upcoming task is to keep that curve, that trend going up, setting up this next quarterback, whether it's you know a young guy or a veteran they bring in, whoever it is, setting them up for success by giving him two tight ends that are a real asset to him. Next up, we have Ike Hilliard, wide receiver coach. Now, this is a hard evaluation to me because receivers are the most dependent position on the team. I say that because they're dependent on the rest of the team, you know, uh, and their their ability to perform is affected so much by the rest of the team. The run game opens things up for them. The tight ends open things up for them. The, the, they need the offensive line to block so the quarterback has time. And then they need the quarterback to see, you know, read the defense, see who's open, and get the ball to them. So many things have to go right for them to be successful that aren't on them. So it's, it's hard to judge just by wide receiver success to judge a coach on how he's coaching them. That said, I was a big Richard Mann fan. Old school coach loved Richard Mann. And I loved his hard-nosed physical wide receiver group. I loved how they drilled their hands and got rid of their drops. I loved those wide receiver groups. And I think a lot of the, the backlash against the Steelers' current wide receiver group is that they've kind of lost that. They're not 
you know, the hard-nosed physical group setting the tone for the game, leading the way. They've kind of seem to be a group that complains easily. They give up quickly. You see that with Deontay Johnson. You see it with Chase Claypool. You see it with James Washington. The only player you don't really see that from is the only receiver in this group to play for Coach Mann, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster. Ike Hilliard, to me, is the most, probably the most questionable and the one I would be the quickest to replace of the position coaches that that started the year as as a coach and are still on the team. Uh, he, his task this offseason, if he remains the coach, is to get the receivers in this receiver group to be leaders, not complainers, not followers, leaders. We need a lot more Heinz Ward, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster on the field. We need that kind of leadership, that kind of intensity, that kind of focus, those hands. We need the blocking. We need the not quitting on plays. We need a lot more of that kind of aspect and a lot less uh, Mike Wallace, you know? We can make flashy plays, but we don't make the hard ones. We've got excuses when we fail. I don't don't mean to rip on Mike Wallace too much, but I think his reputation here was a bit softer than some of the other guys. And we need to get more hard-nosed. We need Chase Claypool to learn how to be physical smartly, how to be more effective when he's being physical. And I, I want to see less gesturing and, and, you know, posturing and more hustle. More after the catch hustle. More, you know, the ball went somewhere else. Make a play anyways. You know, go help. I want to see that from this wide receiver group. And to me... That is Ike Hilliard's challenge for this upcoming season, and that's not an easy one. Lastly, Chris Morgan. I don't know if he's going to get the offensive line coach job. He was the interim guy. He did fine. The real coaching job is in the offseason, not you know running the game plan for the last few weeks of the season with this group that we have and as young as they are. If Morgan is the guy, there's a lot of development that needs to happen. Namely, you know, Kendrick Green. They need to get his technique down. He has a lot of problems in his technique, a lot of flaws that need to be worked out. His hand placement, his feet, everything. Dan Moore Jr. needs to get his footwork better in line, get his pass blocking better in line. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, and they're probably going to add some new people. Uh, that's obviously the position, if I had to pick one, where I said we need to go out and get a really, really good coach at this position, it would be offensive line coach because that offensive line is going to be the difference for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a good season next year with a a new quarterback, it's going to be because this offensive line led the way, not because... You know, the quarterback made all the difference. No, this offensive line is going to have to make the difference. So that is the, that's the position to me uh, where they could get the most bang for their buck bringing in someone new would be on the offensive line coach. But again, Chris Morgan may be that guy. He may be the answer to it. He may be the right person. And if he is, cool. 
but what we need to see is massive growth from this offensive line, especially the young guys from last year and whoever they bring in. That's the first half of our show. When I come back, we're going to talk about Matt Canada and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, whether I think Matt Canada should be the guy going forward, and it looks like he is, uh, and if he if that remains and he is the guy, what does that mean for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022? Be right back after this break. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you by the Behind the Steel Curtain network of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. This offseason, make sure you stay tuned to the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. We're going to be covering everything you want us to cover, everything you can imagine, uh, we've got people working on the draft. We've got people who specialize in how the cap works. We, I, I can tell you in the Slack channel, we have incredible discussions on free agents and, you know, what players, if they got traded, would have what cap hit and who, who you know, who's ranked where and, and all these different options and stuff that that's not my specialty at all, but they cover it. We've got guys who are, really digging into the draft already and are really looking at people, not just, you know, looking at what other people are saying about them, uh, but looking in and digging into the film themselves. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to continue. That's going to be happening all off season. And you're going to have, you know, a lot of the usual shows still going on, still giving you Steelers talk, still discussing everything about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Also on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, that is, in my opinion, the best place to go for your Steelers news, your Steelers insights, analysis, and what really what really has always stood out to me, I've, I've, I've only been working for the site for a little while, but before that, I was a member, and I was an active member doing, participating in discussions since 2009, when I first started you know, going to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And to me, what's always been special to me is the community, you guys, the listeners, the readers, the people who comment, uh, that's, that's always been special to me. And, and I think it stands head and shoulders above other sites that cover the Steelers because of the community that we have. And a decent chunk of us became writers for the site. So make Behind the Steel Curtain your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers on both the website and on the podcast side. To get into the back into the topic of our show, well, we're discussing Steelers coaches. Specifically this week, we're talking about the offensive coaching staff. The first half of the show, we talked all about the different assistants and position coaches. The second half, 
we're going to talk about Matt Canada, the much maligned offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know a lot of people already are done with him. They want him gone. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion on that if you don't already know it. But I'm going to start with breaking down Matt Canada's offense. And at the start, I've got to say, when the offensive line is good, Matt Canada's offense is good. And I know, obviously, the offensive line is super important for every single offense. Any offense in the league, if you give them a better offensive line, they're better. If you give them a worse offensive line, they're going to be worse. But Matt Canada's offense, the way he runs it, is more affected by the offensive line than others. It really is, especially the interior line. Guard, center, guard, right through the middle. The interior run game is critical. Uh, that not getting driven backwards, the pocket security on passing, and not getting penetration through the middle of the offensive play is critical for how he runs his offense. When the Steelers' interior offensive line has been good, the Steelers' offense has been good, both in 2020 and in 2021. Both of those seasons, when they have had key injuries to the interior offensive line and the offensive line quality has gone down, the offense has fallen completely apart. I want to take you back to when the Steelers had a four-game winning streak heading into the Detroit game that they ended up tying Detroit. Miserable game. But over those five games, the Steelers were four wins and one loss. Four wins and one tie. It felt like a loss tying Detroit. That tie against Detroit involved Kevin Dotson being injured. They lost other players. I mean, they lost Joe Hayden. They lost T.J. Watt. They lost a lot of key players in the middle of that game that, that I think really drove the tie. But on the offensive side, the big one was losing Kevin Dotson. B.J. Finney came in and replaced him. I think Hassenauer came in and played a bit. But they lost their interior run game. And it really crushed their offense. Those five weeks where the offensive line really was starting to come together and started looking better. Kendrick Green was looking better. Dan Moore Jr. was coming into his own. Trey Turner started looking like he actually fit in. Like the offensive line was was kind of on a roll. And the Steelers averaged 126 yards a game for those five games. They also won four games and the only two games of the season where the Steelers won when their opponent scored 20 or more points. Twice during that five-game stretch, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat a team that scored 20 or more points. Outside of that stretch where the offensive line was playing better and Kevin Dotson was not yet hurt, outside of that stretch, the Steelers were eight were 0 and 8 eight straight losses when the opposing team scored 20 or more points when we talk about the defense having to carry and drag the Pittsburgh Steelers into the postseason that's, that's what we mean if the if the other team scored 20 or more points after Kevin Dotson got hurt the Steelers were going to lose the Steelers lost 
every single game where their opponent scored 20 or more points. It's incredible. 2-0 and during that five-game stretch where the offensive line was coming together, 0-8 outside of it. We saw in 2020, Matt, Canada's offense work. We saw it work in 2021 for short periods of time where the offensive line was healthy. That's small sample sizes. You know, it's hard to be definitive with that, but that that small sample sizes are not, you know, proof. But they they kind of point you in a direction. They can say, hey, you know, maybe look look this way. Maybe that's a factor. Looking at his college film last year, I can tell you, a lot of the stuff he ran. If, if you even think about his Pitt offense, if you're a Pittsburgh Panthers fan, when they beat Clemson, it was all through the middle of the pocket. Everything ran through the middle of the pocket in those games. And when you can win up the middle, you know, and his offense is going, that, that opens up everything else. It opens up throws to the tight ends because they have to jam up there to try and stuff the middle of the line. It opens up, you know, wide receiver crosses coming across the middle. It opens up with play action. It opens up those uh, passes to Zach Gentry, those little screen-like passes to Zach Gentry that were really effective for the Steelers this year. Those are all set up by interior runs. So obviously, if the Steelers are going to keep Matt Canada, the focus this offseason has to be getting better on the offensive line, which, I mean, that, that that needs to happen, but also being more having more depth on the offensive line. Uh, I, I think... One of the one of the easy solutions there. We need Kevin Dotson back. We're going to have to find a right guard. I want a veteran right guard. I don't want to just go and draft a rookie and plug him in. When you also have the center problem to deal with, I would like a veteran, talented right guard. If if they go out and spend good money to get a higher end right guard that fits this offense and and can be really good in it, I would be all for it. Tackles are not as important. I think we're fine with Dan Moore Jr. and Chuck Wumo Korafor. I'd be okay rolling into the season with them. Uh, I'm also okay with upgrades. <laughs> you know, either of those spots. If you want to, if you, there's an opportunity to get someone better, sure, go for it. I would like to see the Steelers. Obviously, my my first round draft pick. I would love to be Lindenbaum out of Iowa. Linderbaum, however you say his name, the center. He's an absolute stud. I think Kendrick Green could benefit from being a, you know, interior, the top backup on the inside. I think that would be a great step because he would be quality depth, something this team struggled with, especially this season before uh, John LeGlue came in. J.C. Hassenauer and B.J. Finney were playing left guard, and it was not good. They couldn't run at all. LeGlue came in. They got better running up the middle, but he doesn't have the mobility. Him and Hassenauer, neither J.C. Hassenauer or John LeGlue have the mobility to run a lot of what Canada wants to run and a lot of what makes his passing game work. And that's part of the reason, even as the run game got better late in the season, to me, that's one of the reasons the passing game actually fell apart and Ben Roethlisberger looked worse was because they couldn't do a lot of the outside zone. They couldn't do a lot of the other stuff. When they faced Baltimore, they couldn't run at all. Kansas City just knew what was coming, and they just jammed the center of the line. 
jammed the center of the line a lot and, and really crushed the Steelers' offense just by doing that. So the Steelers need better backups. They need better depth. I think Kendrick Green could be that depth person. I don't think he's a starter right now. He may be someday in the future. But even with the offensive line improving, like there's a question out there about Matt Canada. Is, is his offense any good? Right? Is his offense worth investing in? Getting a mobile quarterback. Getting the offensive lineman he needs to, to work his system. Really investing in the offensive line to run his offense. Is it worth it? And this brings me to this past weekend when the Buffalo Bills played the Kansas City Chiefs. I wrote an article uh, for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's going to be coming out as a little tongue-in-cheek, as a little snarky. Uh, but it was about watching the Buffalo Bills and seeing them run the same plays Matt Canada runs. The same plays. It, all of their plays, it's the same stuff. I was, I was stunned. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah. This is Matt Canada. This is the same offense. There's not, you know, there's there's not... There's not 500 unique plays in the NFL. You know, there's various combinations of concepts and things like that. But you watch Buffalo. They ran jet sweeps. They ran a lot of uh, stretch play action with, with crossers. They were throwing to tight ends on comebacks. They were they were doing those little pitch screens to, to running backs. They ran uh, the play the Steelers have run a lot, which is the uh, they, they get – Najee Harris or someone else as the back or or wing back out to, to one side and Pat Fryermuth on the other side, tight end. And then Fryermuth comes under with that little for that little shovel pass. And the read for the quarterback is pitch it to the to the receiver or running back who's who's outside, or pitch it up the middle to a Pat Fryermuth or Zach Gentry who's who's coming through the middle on that little shovel pass. Buffalo ran that pass. They scored a touchdown on it. They ran that play. That's part of their offense. Watching them do it really stuck out to me. And what really stuck out to me was that it works because of Josh Allen. I honestly don't think their offensive coordinator is better than Matt Canada. Matt Canada put in work to set up plays. You could see how he would use different formations and use a play out of a different formation different times to kind of lead the defensive's reads, right, that the players on the field are making. Uh, the, the week three touchdown against Cincinnati, I, sh- I, br- I bring it up in uh, my article. I actually bring put the play in there, the clip of it in there. But Pat Fireman scores a touchdown on a shovel pass because they had run – the same play earlier with Juju Smith-Schuster playing, you know, getting the pitch out and having Chase Claypool and James Washington block for him, and he gained like five, six yards. And then all of a sudden, they're on the three-yard line, and they they go into the same formation, the same setup, only instead of Juju Smith-Schuster, it's Najee Harris, and instead of James Washington, it's Zach Gentry. And the Steelers suddenly have their best blocker in space with their best and most dangerous runner, looking to get the ball. And Chase Claypool was outside of him as well. Like, you've got some good blocking there, and you've got Najee Harris. 
And they ended up putting four players directly, like three, one on each guy with the safety came over. And as soon as they snapped the ball and Ben Roethlisberger started moving and they started moving like the play was happening, they had the defensive end and they had an outside linebacker both running to get there because if they get Najee Harris one-on-one with three yards to go to get in the end zone, you got one defender between him and the touchdown, he's scoring a touchdown. And then they flipped it to Pat Fryermuth with a numbers advantage inside and scored a touchdown. Matt Canada's offense can work. And if you want evidence of it, go back and watch the Buffalo Bills. They run it. Kansas City runs more college stuff than the Steelers, but it's not the exact same stuff. Buffalo is running some of the exact same concepts the Steelers are running with Matt Canada. They just have a young mobile quarterback who can throw on the move. They have an offensive line that fits better. You know, they had the more deep threat, which backed people off and made the whole offense better. They're one of the best offenses in the NFL, and they run the same stuff Matt Canada does. My opinion is Matt Canada is worth investing in. And beyond that, knowing that the guys who he needs to run his offense are the kind of players you can run in this offense that we know works in the NFL. Even if Matt Canada, the play caller, is bad, but his offensive system is good, then you can invest these players. You can invest in the talent needed to run it, and then if he doesn't work out and he's not the guy you want, you go find that guy to run this system better, and you'll have the players. That's why I think it is worth keeping Matt Canada for this season. And I think it's worth really investing in the players his system needs to work. Because not only do I have faith in him and his offense with the right pieces in it, if that doesn't work out, it's still the right offense to run. You just need someone better to run it. And you replace a Matt Canada with someone who can run it better. Right now, Buffalo's offensive coordinator, who honestly... I'm going to tell you, I don't think is as good of an offensive coordinator as Matt Canada for that offense. He just has Josh Allen making him look good. He's getting head coach looks for that offense. Matt Canada's offense can work. That's my show for today, covering the offensive coaches and what I expect going forward and what their challenges are. I didn't give a challenge for Matt Canada real quick. His challenge is make his offense work. Find the right players. Work with the general manager. Work with Kevin Colbert. Work with whoever's taken over for him. Work with Mike Tomlin. Get the players he needs. Work with the position coaches. Get what they need. Work. Get this all sorted. Get this offense in the best shape it can be because he's going to get his shot this season, and he needs to make the most of it. That's my show. I'll see you all next week. Have a great day. And even in the offseason, let's go Steelers.